Well, we have been in a series, Church on the Go, and we have definitely been a church of transition the last several months, and a lot of things happening within our midst, and we're so excited about those transitions. We're getting excited about not transitioning anymore with staff and other things. But a couple of things I want to highlight for you this morning. Unfortunately for us, Today is the last Sunday for our wonderful intern, uh, Taylor Greenhill. Yeah, he is going to be traveling up to Minnesota this week, and he has taken a position at a church in Minnesota, Church of the Nazarene, and we are very excited about his ministry there, and uh, we're going to be praying for him in just a few minutes, but, but just as a... Uh, a remembrance piece as you, you get an office. Hopefully, they'll give you a, an awesome office there in Minnesota. We, we cheated and looked at your uh, wedding uh, registry, and I got you this picture that uh, you can hang in there. And uh, hold it up. I'm sorry. We'll play air, imaginary air guitar. But uh, we want to just uh, tell you how much we love you and appreciate you, and uh, hope this is a reminder of, of how much you mean to us. And as we're, we're praying for you in this journey, we're excited for you. And Katie, and Katie, in November, uh, you can be thinking about them as well as they're getting ready for marriage and uh, all that that means and excitement in their life and transition. So we're going to pray for, for Taylor in, in just a minute, uh, and be sure to, to see him before uh, the day's over as they're, they're heading out this week. Lots of other transitions in our church. Uh, obviously, new pastor a couple of months ago, and he's still getting used to this new role uh, as pastor. And uh, I did bring my hair net, by the way, uh, and I will maybe wear that later. Uh, but uh, exciting times as a, as a church staff, and, and in the mixed match of everything that's been happening with our staff, we have a brand new youth pastor, and uh, his name is Eddie Wachowski. He's going to be here next Sunday, and if you happen to be available Friday morning and want to be the first people to meet Eddie, you can. You have an opportunity to meet him first by helping Tim to move into his apartment, and uh, so you can help us out with that. If you're interested in details on the wares and that stuff, you can, you can see me or, or Dana Kennedy afterwards, but they're going to be in this next week, so next Sunday, Eddie and Yana's first Sunday, if you're a student or if you're a parent of a student, we have a luncheon afterwards, and we want you to be a part of, of that so you can get to know Eddie and Yana, and they're, they're, they're great. I, I call them kids because they seem like so, they seem so very young, but they're not. They're in their 20s, but they're energetic and excited about youth, and uh, that's not young at all. 30s are, are you know, that's, all right, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there. But lots of transitions. One other transition that's happened, uh, a couple of months ago, we began to pray and seek uh, God's direction and will uh, when, it when it came to music, and specifically with, with Pastor Garen. Pastor Garen, we feel like, is super talented in tons and tons of different areas. And uh, I'm quite jealous of his abilities uh, to just grab a, a, a guitar and, and hold a crowd in his hands. I don't know if you've ever seen him with, with kids before. He just, he is just so, he just has talent oozing out of his pores. And as he is, is, is super gifted in various areas, just seeing him evolve in, in different ways, uh, feeling, just feel the call, and I was, I was praying and seeking to see him in a different role on our staff as well. And so we now have a, a new position on our staff. It's called the Creative Arts Pastor. And basically what Pastor Garen is going to be doing now is he's going to be quarterbacking. He's going to be leading our, our worship team. And we have a great, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but we have an amazing team of musicians and people that love the Lord and know how to worship and lead in worship. And uh, I don't know if you've visited other churches lately, but we... We're overly blessed in a great way with talented people. And basically what Garen is going to be doing is going to be overseeing that quarterbacking, uh, that department. He's also going to be helping us out another huge way as well in our communication, in our website uh, that I don't know if you've been there in a while, but it's, it's, uh, it's a little scary, <laughs> okay, comparatively to others. This is a way that we can reach people in our world, in our community, 
uh, with the gospel and with the hope and the joy that's going on right here at HFC. Also, social media. And also, we just believe that Garen is super talented when it comes to teaching and to preaching as well. So we want to give him some opportunities to do that as well. So in, in the middle of that process, very, very excited about that, that, that transition. But that left a pretty big hole in our children's department. Now this was, as we were thinking and praying about this about two months ago, and, and as a board making that transition, we set up basically two search teams. We set up a youth search team and a children's search team to help us guide in that process, that, that help us to get to the place where we, we found Eddie, and we were able to connect to him. We interviewed him. We began to kind of, and the great personalities on each one of, of these committees and teams were perfect in that, just kind of interweaving great questions from different angles and trying to help us evaluate what we needed uh, going forward. And so as we begin to process, what do we need in a children's department? What do we, as we're looking forward to where we want to go and who we want to be, we want to be a children's department that is, is far reaching out to our community. We want to be both wide and we want to be very deep in, in what we do with children. We believe it's one of the most vitally important ministries that we have here at our church. So as we begin that search and names begin to pop up and we begin to think, there was something that just jumped into my mind. As, and I, I couldn't get it out of my mind, quite honestly. When we first brought Garen in to interview, uh, and Pastor uh, Jeffrey approached me and said, hey, we're going to bring in uh, Garen Sherwalter. I don't know if you know who that is. And I kind of knew a little bit about Garen, to be honest. But I remember him back to when he was much older than I am. And he was traveling. He was traveling on a PR group. It's called the Trevidors. And they're like a four-part harmony group and like a lot of snapping and head bobbing kind of stuff. Yeah. Very relevant in the 90s. Very relevant in the 90s to teenagers. And I, I knew Garen from that, uh, but the thing that jumped into my mind, I, I think I asked Jeffrey this three times, it was this. Okay, I, I, I hear this, Garen, that's great, but why aren't we interviewing Jen? Why aren't we interviewing Jen? Because I, personally, I knew Jen, and I knew a lot of things about her. I, I knew that she was a seminary grad, which is one of the, the, our top schools for Christian education. She graduated with a Christian ministry degree from seminary. She has been in various ministries from New Start churches to, to uh, working with children to teens to all kinds of different places in ministry. She's been a college level uh, professor and teacher. And so she's done all these things in ministry. And I just kind of knew also her personality with people and her abilities to be able to communicate, but also to manage and to recruit and to structure, because I'd seen her through the years in various roles from at places like Duke University. And uh, most recently, she's working, worked at First Baptist Academy. And so when I began to pray about this, and, and the search team, we, we brought Jen in, began to ask her if she would con consider it. And we went through a process of prayer uh, with teams and the board and just saturated this whole situation with prayer. It, it became pretty obvious to me that that was the best decision, the best person that we could possibly have for our children in, in this regard. So I am excited to announce that we have a new children's pastor today as well. And her name... <laughs> ...is Jen. And I'm going to ask her to come on up. Ask her to come on up. And uh, I, is it, are we going on? That's, that's the first thing you have to, to learn. Boom, mute. There we go. You have my resume memorized. Well I do. done. I well do. done. <laughs> what, Jen, and, and, and this might be a surprise to some people, but what excites you about this? As we've been talking about this in the last few weeks, and you've been kind of germinating and what's ahead, what excites you about, about children's ministry here? When I think about my own life, I am reminded of the people in my life. And in fact, we were just on vacation. We went to North Carolina, and the people that I went to find were the people, they, it, they weren't my high school friends, they weren't my college friends. It was the people who invested in me when I was a teenager, when I was a kid. So I went to see Cindy Whiteside and Tim Sean Whiteside, who are my impact directors, and um, spent an evening with them and just telling them how much I appreciate how they invested in me, that I don't know where I would be without them in my life. 
And then I saw my old FCA sponsor from high school. He was an English teacher and football coach. And I did not play football, but he was our FCA sponsor. And he invested in me, and he encouraged me as a high school student. So I know that you guys have some similar people in your lives, at least I hope so. And it was people who, they didn't get paid to do what they did for me. Like my neighbor across the street who just invited me into her house and whatever she was doing, it was okay. You know, help me, help me cook dinner or, or help feed the cows and those kinds of things that as a small child, having someone give value and love to me outside of my family was just life-changing. I don't know where I would be without them. And so what I'm excited about is that opportunity to do that with these kids. I mean, I've had the opportunity the past two years, and I love them. You guys have awesome kids. They are awesome. And I'm so excited to invest my life in them even deeper. But I'm also excited about giving you guys that opportunity, too. I think that some of you have probably been um, feeling that, oh, I feel like I need to, to be doing something with these kids, investing in that next generation. And so I'm really excited about investing in you guys so you can minister to this, um, this little church of, of people who are the future of the church. Amen. Well, one of the things, hey, you can clap. It's okay. Jen, one of the things that I have to confess, when we were chatting and, and in the midst of the questions and the interviews and stuff, the things that really stuck out to me, you know, as a parent, um, you, you, you really caught my ear when you said, you know, I want to equip parents, you know, and I don't, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I feel unequipped in a very difficult world, and that excites me uh, as we look forward in children's ministry to equipping parents and families. Um, I'm just going to ask the question I think maybe uh, people have in their minds. Uh, we've seen Garen a lot, probably on stage, and he's a little different, a little quirky, a little goofy, um, in a good way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been turned, I, I should probably turn you when I'm throwing stones at you. Uh, how is that going to work? Are you going to be able to work with, uh, you know, every day, are you going to be, you see him at home and... Sorry. Uh, are you going to be able to... He, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Dishes here, right? No dishes here, I don't think. No. Yeah. Um, no, I, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, we've worked together before several times, and it's actually been something that we've wanted to do. We actually enjoy being with each other. Um, but... I'm, we're not going to commute together. I think that that will, that, that will solve any issues that there might be. We just won't be in the car on the way here together. That'd be good. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. That's, that's wise. That's wise. Well, I want to do something that's very, it's actually pretty impromptu uh, this morning. It's not on the schedule. And uh, I just feel led this direction this morning. And I don't know if the, you want to play something, Garen, that would be, or someone else. I'm just going to invite Taylor to, to come up. And if you would... Uh, if you want to come and kneel at the altar, and, and Jen, if you would, it would come to this altar here, and uh, you know, Garen, you can't play and kneel, so I'm going to ask you to come and, uh, and, and kneel on this altar over here as well. And uh, as you feel led this morning, I'm just going to give you a, a, few, a few moments here. If you will, just, just gather behind these, these fine folks. We want more than anything to be in the center of God's will in all that we do. And I have to tell you, these are not, have not been quick decisions. These have been decisions that have been prayed over hours and hours and hours by boards, by, by committees, and by your pastor. And I, I want us to begin, as we, we see this transitions in a ton in one day, as you hear them, let's begin by, by praying and saturating these folks as we move forward. So I'm going to give you a few moments as we prepare for, for prayer. And if you want to move to a, a certain location, that would be fantastic.
Jesus, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come into your house, Lord, to worship you, to be with your people. Lord, to laugh together, to encourage one another, to think about you, to, to have our, our hearts just dwell in your spirit this morning, God. Lord, I can't wait to, to worship you in song, Lord, but, but we don't want to go any further, Lord, without Lord, just spending time with you this morning in prayer, God. God, we are so grateful for your people, the way you work and the way you move and, and you move with your spirit, Lord. And God, we just lift up right now, lift up, Lord, I lift up Taylor right now to you, God. I pray, Father, Lord, that you will guide his steps, Father. Lord, you would be with he and Katie, Lord, as they are transitioning and traveling, Lord, and they're, they're going to a a very, very lucky group of people, a community of believers in Minnesota. God, and we just pray right now, God, that you would go with him, Lord, that you would give him confidence, that you would give him boldness, God, that you would encourage him, that you would walk beside him. In the days, in the next few months, Lord, as, as he will be there without Katie, Lord, I pray that you will just, Lord, feel the loneliness that would be there. Help him to find friends. Help him to, to adjust to the area, Lord. And God, I pray that you would be with his ministry, God. We believe in Taylor Greenhill, Lord. God, we thank you for him as a gift to us and the gifts that you have given him. And Lord, I pray that you would empower him to use those for your kingdom. Lord, that you would give him vision, that you would give him a passion for leading God and all that he does. Lord, may it be with worship or youth or wherever you're calling him directionally, Lord. God, go with him, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would remind him that he is not going alone, that he's going with a family of believers that is, is with him. God, I pray right now for Garen, Lord. I pray that you would be with my friend, Lord. God, as he is... Uh, Lord, transition in life, God, and transitions are, are difficult, Lord. They're not easy. Lord, as we navigate, Lord, all that, that comes with that, Lord, as we try to even the day-to-day -day of, of what we're doing and, and priorities and things, Lord, God, I just thank you so much for my friend who is gifted in so many different ways, Lord. God, you have called him. You have equipped him. And God, you're going to use him, Lord. God, I do thank you so much for what an amazing worship team that we have, Lord. I pray that you would bring unity. Lord, you'd bring passion. You would bring just an, an openness and brokenness to our, our, our worship team, Lord. God, as, as we come into your presence, Lord, what an amazingly significant time every week we have to be with you, to be with each other, Lord. God, I pray that they wouldn't be performers. God, I pray that we wouldn't just be staring at them as they are singing songs, Lord. But God, I pray that every time that we gather, be it Sunday or, or whenever that is, Lord, and God, we worship you and we praise you, Lord. God, I, I pray that we would have moments where we want to just take our shoes off and to just sense your presence, Lord, that we know that we're on holy ground, that we know that we're in your presence, Lord, and we are shaped and molded by you, God. Lord, I pray that you would lead, guide, and direct, Lord. We know that you can do it, and we believe in you, Lord. God, we pray these things in your name. And Lord, we lift up Jen to you right now. God, I thank you for her heart. I thank you for her, the journey that has brought her to this place in ministry and in, in her life, God. All the steps along the way that have prepared her for this time and this moment, God. Lord, when we think about our children, God, our, our, our hearts are so sensitive and we're so, we're, we're, we love our children so much, God, and they mean so much to us, Lord, and we want so badly for them to be formed and shaped by you at an early age, God, that they would come to know you at an early age, that they wouldn't just, Lord, know ab about you or just know stories, but they would know you personally and they would see that in our lives, Lord. God, I pray that you would just fan a, a flame that's, that, that starts with all of us, God, for children and youth, Lord. God, that as, as people enter this building, they would see, sense immediately our love for kids and our desire. Lord, I pray that you would help Jen, Lord. Lead and guide her, God, as she is uh, paving this path uh, for in, in this ministry, Lord, as she is inviting others to be a part, to teach, to love, to lead, Lord. God, I pray that you will give her wisdom, give her guidance, give her clarity, God. Get, just give her energy that's going to carry her, Lord. Give her encouragement as she's starting something new, 
right now. And as she's balancing family and, and, and all things that go with that, Lord, God, I just pray that you would encourage her, God, that you would guide her, that you would, you would make the, the path obvious to where she is leading, where you are leading, Lord, in that vision and passion for our church, God. Jesus, we're so fortunate. Lord, I, I feel so fortunate to be a part of this community, a community of people that we're not satisfied, Lord. We're not satisfied with where we're at. We want to go and, and do great things for your kingdom, God. We want to make an impact on this, on this community, Lord. We want to make an impact on people's lives, God. And Lord, as we gathered in this place, Lord, I know that there are people in this room, Lord, they're carrying burdens and hurts and things, Lord. And God, as we, we, we come to worship you right now, when we get ready, as we sing songs, Lord, this isn't about just music. It's about worship. It's about ascribing worth to you and praise to you. And as we do that, God, oh, we are changed. We are formed by you. And that's our desire this morning, God. Lord, help us to properly worship you and to praise you, Lord. I pray that as we sing, Lord, burdens will be lifted off of shoulders. I pray that, that as we give you praise, Lord, things in our lives, God, the stresses, the worries, those things would begin to fade away because we... We know who's in charge of all things, and that is you, Lord. You are our Lord, and you are our Savior. We love you, and we pray all these things. We give all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Life is a journey. Enjoy the ride. I have to tell you, I've been doing announcements for a lot of, a lot of years uh, in church and things. Uh, a lot of times we say, well, you really need to be at this, or really should do this kind of thing, and but I tell you, if you weren't there yesterday at uh, the Berry Center, uh, you, you missed out, friends, because we had a blast yesterday. I mean, it was, ama- it was awesome, and uh, hopefully you've seen some of the pictures on Facebook of what happened. You saw some good ones this morning. They didn't show my favorite one from yesterday, so I want to show that one real quick. Uh, <laughs> the looks on these boys' faces right here, it just kind of sums all, it all up from yesterday, Okay. I'm going to paint a picture, hundreds of people putting food in bags and in boxes, sending them around the globe for people who don't have food. I mean, it was amazing, and it was fun. It was fun, uh, not just because the music was blaring, and it was blaring, and that was fun. We were doing a little, uh, was that, House of Pain, jump, jump, uh, that kind of atmosphere, okay? Uh, it was just, a couple of times I just looked around the room, and I was like, this is it. This, I wish I could just take a picture of the, of the energy, because when you're doing something so significant, and you, when you're in a community of believers doing that, can I tell you, that's joy, folks. That's purpose. That's what it's all about, and Jesus talked about that as well. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 15 is where we're at, and then we're going to flip over to Acts chapter 16, a couple of verses in each places. John chapter 15 this is uh, the chapter about vine and branches, and Jesus is teaching his disciples. And this is what he says uh, in John chapter 15, verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain, some Bibles say abide in my love, remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so you will be filled with what? With joy. With joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now, a couple of things here. Abide, remain. Either way, whatever version you have, it basically means it's the same kind of imagery as living with. If you will live with Jesus, if you will hang out with him, Jesus' mission on earth was to fulfill the plan, the purpose that God had put on his life. And that was that living with, abiding in that's where joy was found, and that's where joy is found for us when we are on purpose and on, on, on focus with what God's mission is in the world. That's the living part together. Now, this is what Jesus said. He said, you know what? I'm going to be with you for a while, but good news, good news. I'm going to be gone, and I'm not just going to be living with you in the house, but instead I'm going to be living inside of you. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes into play. And that's where the Holy Spirit living in us gives us this pur- purpose, this focus, this mission. And that's what God has been calling to us to as a church this summer as we think about being the church on the go, the church that is missional in the world. Now, if you put that word missional 
uh, on Word, uh, Microsoft Word, it gets the little red squiggly line underneath it. It doesn't recognize it as a word. But today, we, are, we believe that it is not only a word, but it's who we've called to be, to be missional people in this world. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to take a look at a great example. As we've been looking through the book of Acts this summer, Acts chapter 16, it kind of lays out who we are called to be, this missional people. And it gives us some really fundamental principle uh, focuses uh, for each one of us. It doesn't matter if you're a teenager. It doesn't matter if you're a child or an adult. Whoever it is, these are the kind of fundamental principles if we're going to be missional in the world. And so Acts chapter 16, and we're joining Paul, and they've been going and doing amazing things for the kingdom. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6, it, it says this, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysa, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them, to, allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready and at once we, to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, there's a lot of words, there's a lot of cities in, in that, those, those couple of verses, but there's something that, that we need to recognize in this passage, that Paul was, is very focused, he was very in tuned with the Holy Spirit as he was leading and guiding to different places. And you see that throughout his ministry. He was very connected and aware of what the Spirit was, was doing in the world. And asking, I think, the question, what's next? I don't know if you've had kids at home this summer and if you have been with your kids at home this summer. That's kind of the question of our house. It's just like there always has to be a next. Like, what are we doing next? Are we going to Wacky Wednesday? What's ne- are we going bowling? Can we do this? What, what's next? And maybe that's a question we should ask of the Holy Spirit. What's next for me? What's next for you in, in your life? But to be, a, to be aware and to be knowledgeable of what's next and to be connected to the Spirit, we, we have to be in tune with the Spirit. I, I want to try to gauge your awareness this morning, how, how really, uh, let's see, observant you are this morning. Uh, there is a video that I'm going to play you, and basically what I want you to do is try to figure out who done it? Have you seen the movie Clue before? Okay, or, or know what that's about? You're basically trying to figure out who done it. So see if you can figure that out from this. Is, is it possible? Is it possible that the spirit of our Lord is up to something in the world, and and we're not aware of it? We're not very sensitive of it. We're not looking for it. And so why would we see it? What's next? What, what's going on next? I, I love this phrase. It's becoming popular. You know, some phrases just jump in and out, but there's this phrase that I love. It's, it's to lean in, to lean in to something. And it kind of reminds me of when Michael Jackson, I don't know how he did that lean in move that he had going on. But when you lean into someone, you, you really are paying attention. You're, you're on your toes. It, it reminds me when you're in a good conversation and somebody says something, you want to catch every detail and you're just like, Okay, that's when I'm going to drop to my, you know, just kind of that position where I'm really trying to focus on what you're saying. You know, when you're a kid and you play sports, one of the very first things they teach you is anticipate, be ready, be on your toes. That's what God's calling us to do, to anticipate, to to see where God is at work in the world. What's next, God? What would you have me do? What would you, almost anticipated off the stage there. Um... What, what would you have me to do next? Where are you at? Where are you working? And that should be our prayer, God. What are you doing? And how can I be a part of that? How can I be a part of that? Next principle, if we want to be missional, live missional, uh, the Spirit, sometimes it closes doors that would seem like obvious places that are open. I don't know if you caught that in the passage here, but in a couple different places, you see what it says? Because the Holy Spirit had prevented us from preaching the gospel there. Because, you know, we, we were able to go there. There's a, just a quick map just showing us where, where Paul, his, or his journey. Maybe you have one of those in your Bible. Do you remember maps in your Bible? 
I don't know if they put those anymore, but those got me through a lot of sermons on Sunday, those maps in the back. You see that, that, purple, uh, that purple line in Asia? Now, first of all, that's Asia Minor, what we know as Turkey now. Don't, if, I get confused with the modern and the, 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 the form of the ancient. But basically, that yellow, you see that purple line? He basically went around an area to get over to the border, then to go over to Macedonia, which is, is Greece and, and Europe. Why would he do that? Because the Spirit was, was telling him, no, not yet. Not yet. Eventually he would come back, but, but not yet. But not yet. Now, in my mind, I don't, I don't know. We, it doesn't tell us what happened there. We don't know if there was an angel with like a fiery sword saying, no, don't go here. We don't know if there were like, I don't know, lions preventing him from entering. But we just know the spirit prevented him to go. Maybe he just ran into like a plexiglass wall of some sort. and was like, all right, I get the point. We're not going this direction. Uh, have you ever run a stoplight before? When was the last time you ran a stoplight? Okay, can we all just say it's maybe, possibly, even the, the, the best drivers in the room possibly have run a light before, if you will, just kind of just, just, <laughs> we're going to have a prayer confession later on. Uh, now, what are the, some of the reasons why we run lights, okay? What are some reasons, just really briefly, just share one to your neighbor really quick. Go. I got to get somewhere, Seth says. I got to get somewhere. All right, a couple of them that I just popped in my mind. Have you ever had a yellow light that lasted like a tenth of a second, and you're like, that's not, that's not a, a regulation yellow light there, okay? Or have you, this happened this week, have you ever been behind a big truck and they turn and you're like, I think it's green, I'm hoping it's green, I'm not really sure, I'm turning. Nope, it wasn't green uh, at all. It was, or, or, or maybe you're just like, uh, just forget it. I'm going <laughs> through it and I'm just, I got to get somewhere. I heard the story, grandma runs a red light. Officer comes over, why did you run this red light, ma'am? And she's just a sweet lady, and she says, she, I don't know if you can see, but I've got this. And she had a big bag of ice cream in the back. She's like, my ice cream's going to melt. <laughs> no tickets, no ticket. Great move. Just keep a, 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 a carton of ice cream in, in your car. But if we could confess, I think all of us have run through stop signs before, stop lights in our, in our life. Maybe even some that God has, has quite obviously put up and we are just blowing through them. A friend of mine, uh, Daniel, trying to make a job decision this week, and he contacted me, and he's, he's, you, know, you can just kind of tell he's weighing the options. He's putting the, the different things in different piles and trying to figure out, I could stay here, I could go there. And, you know, when, as, as humans, those decisions become pretty easy. Am I going to be more comfortable? Am I in a better location? Am I getting paid more money? Okay. Sometimes those, e those decisions are not so easy, folks. I, I remember going on an interview once. It was actually the church before I came here to, to Houston. And it was another church in Florida. And uh, Melanie and I go over, and uh, we have a, the first thing we do is we meet the pastor, and we go to lunch. And we're really receptive. I feel like God is kind of a transition period in our life. And so really seeking God and uh, go to lunch with him within five minutes of that lunch. Okay. He, he did something. I don't even remember exactly what it was, but the way he spoke to the wait staff, I just made eye contact with Melanie. And in that second, I knew this is not where God would have us to go. It was, it was the most obvious no that I've ever received in my life. And uh, we go on with the interview, talk to the board, things went well, immediately offer us the position. And had one of those moments where they're like, we're going to slide a number across the table kind of thing, one of those moments. And uh, confessionally, at that point in our life, we were thinking, you know what? We've been living in this little tiny box of a parsonage for a long time. We have Noah. He's, he's two. We would really have, like to have a house of our own and to have a place that would be called ours that someone doesn't knock on our door uh, at like 2 o'clock to get in, into the church kind of situation. When that number came across and I looked at it, I, my, the first thing that came to my mind, I didn't even know youth pastors made this much money, Okay. And when that, that jumps in your, 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 your eyes and your, your head, 
That influences the way we think. But I have to tell you, that was an obvious no. And it was an easy decision that day. As hard as it was, I said, hey, we're going to pray about it. Went home. Everything confirmed the same thing. Told them no. They called back a couple days later. Are you absolutely sure? We feel like it's a yes. It's like, nope, I'm very sure. God tells us definite, definitive no sometimes. And I, I think we blow through those at times. God gave me a note a couple of weeks ago. There's just, you know, just a list of websites that you have in your life. And there was a sports website that I'll go to. But, but I'll go to it, quite honestly, and there's just like these vulgar worded headlines. And just kind of a, just a really crass place. And, and informative, sometimes funny. But I just got that convicting feeling, you know what? You don't need to go. Why are you going to this site? This is just filling your head with just, just junky words and things. I said, I'm not going back there anymore. Why? Because God told me no. What are some areas that maybe God's telling you no in? And you're just blowing through the, the, the red light. Geography dictated, you know, God basically told Paul, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. And then suddenly what happened? He had a, a vision, a night, a night dream. And what did he see in that dream? There was a man from Macedonia, that is crying out. He's saying, help, help. He cried, he cried out in this dream. Now, I have to be honest with you. When, when somebody says that God spoke to them in a dream, I am the, the, the first skeptic, okay? I, I'm the skeptic. I'm like, okay, all right. I, I listen, and I want to hear, and it's not that I don't believe. I just, I'm just kind of one that just wants to, to see facts and things in place. Except, let me tell you, if Pastor Michelle has a vision about your life, uh, prepare yourself, okay? About a week after I found out that we were having a child number three that I was not prepared for uh, yet, it was a little unexpected, she came to me and said, I had a dream that you guys are going to have a third, and you were a little nervous about that, worried about On a Sunday morning, we hadn't told anyone, and so I'm going through that. That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> kind, of, kind of moments, all right? Well, this is a vision that, that Paul has. He has a vision of this man yelling, help, help. I think God gives us these, these passions, sometimes a, a burning vision of, of what God would, would have us to do, specific to our lives, to your personalities, to your passions, and, 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 and your, your life trail. Sometimes, though, we can ignore those things. I went to Chicago last week, and uh, previously I went with my father, and he is a huge World War II uh, buff. He likes the history. He loves to learn more about it. He's read the book The Hiding Place dozens of times about Corey Tin Boone, and uh, he just, he loves the history of that. And so when you go to one of those before, and I don't know if you've ever been to a Holocaust museum before, they are, I mean, it just hits home, the reality of what happened there. And uh, learning more about uh, World War II and things there, there was a, a gentleman by the name of Albert Speer. And I, cannot, I can't possibly attempt the German accent there, but Albert Speer was, was Hitler's chief architect. He, his goal was, as they were going to dominate the world, build up a kingdom uh, for, for Germany. And once the war began, he, his, his role shifted from an architect to more of the person that was running the factories of ammunition throughout the war for the Third Reich. Well, once the war ended in, uh, I believe it was 44, they, uh, Hitler obviously committed suicide. They arrested many of the, the top officers, which this, this gentleman was. And some of these guys even committed suicide in prison before they went to court. And uh, I think it was Nuremberg that there was this big trial that we had and some of these leaders were put on trial for the crimes that they had committed against humanity and, and the war, and, and some were, were, uh, were killed and executed. Well, this gentleman actually was given 20 years for his part. And a big part of that was because that he maintained that throughout he had no clue what was going on with the Holocaust. He had no clue that that was happening to Jews. That, that, that people were dying or being tortured, that, that, that he, he didn't know about it. Well, he goes and he serves his 20 years. 
he gets out of prison and he writes a book. I think it was called Inside the Third Reich. And he goes on a tour, and, he, and this is in the 60s, and he begins to talk about his experience. And of course, he, people were asking him the question that probably you are asking, how in the world did you not know? How, how did you not know? And he, would keep, he kept maintaining, I, I did not know. I did not know that this was taking place. I, 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 was, I was busy on what I was doing, and I wasn't focused on, on, on that. And they said, well, wait a second. We, we know that there was a meeting that, that, that Hitler was there, and you were present for that meeting, and they talked about some of the specifics that was going to happen at some of these concentration camps. You were there. And he said, no, I went to lunch early. I went to lunch early, and I wasn't present when they talked about that. Well, he gave all these interviews, and he just stood fast on that line. I did not know. Until finally, the last interview that he gave before his life, they were, they were asking, the same, the one of the biographers, uh, a woman was writing a book about his life, because people were just fascinated by this. And she asked once again, he said, how did you not know? And he said this, I did not know, I did not see. And she said, whoa, whoa, whoa. How did you not see? And his response was this. I did not see because I looked away. And suddenly it hit her. If you looked away, there's something to look away from. And he immediately said, we will never talk of this again. And he never did another interview. I did not see because I looked away. Is there something burning? Is there some, something in your life, a passion, a, a, a cry out? Maybe there's a person in your life that's crying out and you're choosing to look away, to look away. There are things that are happening in our world, folks. I mean, we got a picture of it yesterday. There is brokenness, there is hurt. There are people that are everywhere that are, quite frankly, they're spiritually dying and they're physically dying. And we can choose to look away, or we can choose to engage and be a part of God's mission in this world. That's what missional living is all about. I tell you, my heart uh, just rejoiced yesterday, but it's been rejoicing just seeing uh, pictures that we've seen on Facebook of kids that are like, wait a second, there are people in this world that don't have clean water? Well, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do a lemonade stand. And when you see children lead us, and they immediately just go, hey, there's a problem. Well, we're the answer. Folks, there's a problem. We're the answer, okay? And God has put a passion, a thing in your life, and maybe a, a, a ministry, maybe it's people in your life that God is focusing you on and wants you saying, hey, there's a man. There's a man from Macedonia. That's your Macedonian man, and he's crying out, help, help. Saw, uh, I saw the Ballards went to New York City this last week. I love New York. If you're from New York, glad to have you here today. Love to, to visit there. If you haven't gotten to, to go, you should. 9-11 was such an, uh, it was such an emotional time for, for the, the country, for the world. And uh, one of the, the, the groups that was a big part of that for me, I don't know if you remember U2. They had a huge part of just kind of that morning time for us. They played the Super Bowl. Uh, that halftime program right after on 9-11. Well, as, uh, as they had a concert that was scheduled, actually, and it was at Madison Square Garden. They were, they were on tour, and they were supposed to do this concert anyway, and they said, you know what, it's, it's October. You know, obviously, 9-11 had just taken place, and that concert really was transformed. It, it changed instead of just being a concert. It became almost like a, a pep rally of sorts. There was some mourning that took place, there was a little bit of pick-me-up kind of rejoicing. And I've gotten to, to listen to some of that concert because just really big U2 fan after that. And uh, at the end of the concert, they had played about 15, 16 songs. And if you know their music, it's already kind of, it's a little therapeutic, it's spiritual in, in nature. And uh, they ended this, the concert with this song called Walk On. And if you're just listening to the audio of that song, that concert, you suddenly hear this long instrumental time. You're like, well, what's going on during that? Well, in that moment, there are like 50 firefighters that are coming on stage. And these are all guys that have been a part of units that were directly affected uh, by the bombings. 
and these guys are on stage, and, and it's really it's an emotional kind of moment, and the crowd is cheering, and, and they're pumping these guys up, and their YouTube's playing, and, and uh, at the end, the walk-on is supposed to be the last song of the set of the night. I mean, that's like the, the finale finale. But people just stick around. They just stick around for the concert, and, and one of the firemen grabs a microphone. And, and, and he, he, this is a fireman that lost a brother just the month before. He was a fireman as well. And he says something to the effect of, you know, my brother, he was a rock and roller. He was a rock and roller, but he's never been to a stage like this before. And New York, you call us your bravest and your, fi- your, your finest. And we're so thankful for, for, that, for feeling that tonight. And let me tell you something. This is what he said. Whenever you call 911, we will be there, and we will come. When you dial 911, we will be there, and we will come. Man, a month after what he had seen and experienced, to be able to say something like that, man, that's who God's church is called to be. That is our mission. When someone calls for help, that we would respond, that we would move, that we would we'd go. That's who we're called to be. That's who you are called to be. Worship band, if you guys could come on up. Missional living principle number four. When the Spirit leads, don't hesitate, you go. Acts 16.10 says this, After Paul saw the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So as soon as he saw that vision, he went. He went for it. He, he just immediately said, hey, we're going this direction. We, we are going. We, we, are, we are going. Just a little side note. After he went, he kind of came in contact with a few people along the way. There was, there was a woman that was, that was a, a merchant. Her name was Lydia. And he came in contact with her. Did he say, well, wait a second, you're not a man from Macedonia, so I'm not going to talk to you right now. You're not the vision for what God has called. No. He had a conversation with her. He led her to the Lord. He he showed her the gospel. There was another woman that that was possessed by a demon. And he helped to to heal her, and she found the Lord. It wasn't like, hey, I've got to just do my thing that God's called me to do. No, it was was different. When people call for help, then then we we should go. There is a, a, one, a word that we use a lot, and it's the word Hosanna. It's just a kind of a church word that we've used for a long, long time, and uh, we, we see it in different places of Scripture, uh, Hosanna, Hosanna. And most often, you think of it in the place where Jesus is you know, coming into town, and they're waving the, the palm branches, Hosanna. But that word is it's a different kind of word, though. In the Old Testament, there is one place where the word Hosanna is used. It's in Psalm 118. I think it's verse 25. And and in Psalm 118, 25, it it basically gives this Hosanna a cry out. And what it means right there, and and what people knew it to mean from that point, was save me, save me. It was a cry out for help. Save me. Now, immediately following that verse is this verse about Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's this, it's this, save me, and then the next verse is, I know who my Savior is, it's the Lord. Okay? So what happened is, in the history of this word, this word began to morph. Hosanna, it, it actually is the same in, in Greek, it's Hosanna in, in, in Greek as well. And there are various places where it's used in Scripture, where Hosanna, Hosanna. And what happened was, it, instead of it being just the word meaning, help, it morphed into one word with kind of two meanings. It's help, and I see my helper coming. So let me try to explain this a little better. You fall into the pool, and what are you going to yell? Help, help! The difference is, in the New Testament, this new form of Hosanna is, I'm falling in the pool, the lifeguard is coming, and I'm yelling, yes. You are my Savior. My help is coming. It is coming. One more version. The Texans are in the Super Bowl. I know you're shocked. I know, I know. That is a miracle of all miracles. This next year, the Texans are going to be in the Super Bowl. 
and uh, we are winning the game, okay? We're winning the game. We're playing the Dallas Cowboys. No, that wouldn't be realistic. Uh, that would not be realistic at all. We're playing the Seattle Seahawks, uh, Paul. Again, there you go. We're playing the Seattle Seahawks, and the Texans are winning. The Texans are winning. There are two seconds to go in the clock. Okay, there's two seconds. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Seattle has the ball. They're out of field goal range. They're about 50 yards away. We're winning by five anyway. It doesn't matter. All we have to do is make one more stop, and we have won a Super Bowl. We've gone from terrible to the best. And, and, and what happens? I guess that would be Russell Wilson. He, he throws to, to Marshawn Lynch, and Marshawn Lynch goes around the corner. And what? The whole defense goes that way, and we're going to stop him until he throws it to Percy Harvin, for a reverse, and there's nobody on this side of the field. Can you imagine being at that game? And you see the whole field open up, and he has got a, a, just a lane going toward the, the, the end zone. And, and, of course, our reaction would feel very similar to the last year's every single game. We're going to find a way to lose this. But wait. But Wait. J.J. Watts, you see him in the middle of the field. Now, the old form of Hosanna would be, catch him, please! Catch him! Help! New Hosanna. You got him, J.J. You got him. You got him. No worries. Our help, it's on the way. Our help is on the way. Now, as we're called to be missional folks in this world, can I tell you, we're not big enough to give anybody any help in this world. But we know somebody that is. And he's the same one that's helped you and me. He's the same one. When I was crying out for help, he's the same one that came. And as we are a people in this world, and we come in contact with people. We're going to come. When you call 911, we will be there. So this morning, there's a song. Hosanna. It talks about how, Lord, Hosanna. And there's a great line in it, break my heart for what breaks yours. As we sing, as we pray, as we seek God's mission personally, communally in this world. Let's sing out to a Savior that always comes. And Lord, let's, let's pray to be a people that always shows up and always comes as well. Would you sing with us?